Continuing on, now look at verse 26 and 27. He said, when the full number has come in, these expressions sometimes are not in our language, and they're understood differently. In the old writing, doesn't mean God has a set number down to one person who's going. He's saying when his plans are finished and he's finished giving grace and mercy, then he's going to take Israel up again in, in due time. That's what he's talking about. Okay. And it said in verse 26 And so all Israel will be saved, just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob, at 27, and this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. See, he broke covenant with them and disregarded it because they broke it. He abolished many things, and he put off, as far as the individuals and that generation, covenant don't apply to you anymore. You've been cut off, but I'll take it up again in the future, and I'll finish things that I plan to do. So once again, in the future, God will take up Israel again. Now, some think, which may be true, that when the Antichrist comes, he'll destroy most of the people of Israel when he breaks the treaty with them. And that's when the Lord will appear and destroy the Antichrist and save the remnant. There'll be a small number compared to the whole nation. may not be a few million, maybe a few hundred thousand or less. And if he didn't intervene at that time, the Antichrist would kill them all, like Hitler attempted to do. Okay? And then he will take them, and, and they will see him, it says, and they will mourn for him. See, they'll recognize that Jesus was the Christ. And is. all of a sudden, their eyes will be opened. And they'll born, it said, for him, because they didn't believe it for 2,000 years. But what's left of the nation? And it'll have to be a large number of people to be the nation. And you remember in Moses' time, there were 70 and 80 nations destroyed. Nations may have been a few thousand people. They were tribes. They weren't like we think today, but they were called nations. So he refers to them. And when he destroys the Antichrist, he will set up the kingdom after he destroys the wicked, and Israel will come into its covenant again, and God will restore, and Israel will be chief among the nations. And the nations that aren't destroyed and the ones growing up, they'll have to come and and honor feast and come to Jerusalem and all that. And the scripture says that if they don't, they won't get no water. So even then they can rebel. But Israel will then be special and God will fulfill all of his promises that he intended to do. But most of Israel over the centuries will be rejected. And that's what Jesus meant when he said they will come from the east and the west, he said, and they will sit in the kingdom of Abraham. But the children of the kingdom will be cast out and out of darkness. He said they'll be cast into the fire, torment. So he's saying the majority, like the majority of Gentiles, are going to hell. And even though Israel will be as the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea, that's what he promised Abraham, he said only a remnant will be saved. So most of them are not going to make it. 
but it's their choice not to stay in the covenant that God placed them in. They are responsible. So they will see and recognize Jesus as Christ. They will repent and confess, and their sins will be removed. He said, I'll remove their ungodliness. See, because they will confess and acknowledge that he's the Savior. Okay. Verse 28, from the standpoint of the gospel, now people misunderstand this, especially a lot of stupid people who think the Jews are a special people under covenant now, and they're not. Israel as is a nation is Jewish people. But if you read Ezekiel, it's bone upon bone and flesh upon flesh. They're coming together, but he's not breathing them. They don't have spiritual life. See, But he can gather and use and pull them together. He can do what he pleases. But the individual, he doesn't come to Christ. He's just as lost as any Gentile that doesn't come to Christ. So he says, you, we're talking to the church here, from the standpoint of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are enemies for your sake. Now, how can they be chosen by God and be special while well, they're Christ's enemy? God only makes enemies of those who refuse to follow him and obey him. They're the ones that are his enemies. His children are not his enemies. So they're not saved in a special covenant. Christ would not be called an enemy or the gospel. So we need to understand that. But from the standpoint of God's choice, and that's what people miss it, the elect, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. Who are the elect? The disciples that stayed with Jesus and came to him, they established for six years or so, they were the church. There were no Gentile Christians. They were the elect. See? The nation as a whole was being cut off. The temple worship, the Pharisees, in 40 years it wouldn't exist. But they were the elect. They were the remnant. And they chose to stay. And so it says they are beloved for the Father's sake, for the Father's sake, for the covenants. The pro they stayed with him. Oh, and they turned to him. Many Jews later, remember many priests, James says, have come to the Lord. So at a certain time, there were those coming in that were Jews. And it wasn't until six, eight years before the first Gentile that we know of came to the Lord. So the foundation was still Jewish. It was Jewish Christian. And they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. They weren't cut off as a whole. But the nation, temple worship, all of that was going to be destroyed completely. God was going to abolish it because he didn't need it anymore. He ushered in grace and faith. But in the future, he will take up Israel again and deal with them in a different way. So concerning the gospel of faith and grace, Jews not coming to Christ are his enemies. So every Jew in Israel and every Jew in America that doesn't confess Jesus Christ is God's enemy. Like every Gentile who doesn't come to the Lord, the wrath of God remains on them. See, he's offering them a peace treaty. God so loved the world he has goodwill. It's not covenant love. They're not his. But he's offering them a peace treaty. 
And he's extending himself and giving them opportunity. And it's his will. Says he finds no pleasure in their death. He does not like to visit judge. He says he prefers mercy over judgment. But they don't listen. And so the wrath of God remains on them. But he still loves the world because he preaches the gospel of grace to them. He deals with their conscience. Nature itself, this is God's grace being extended. And then he gives more grace. When Jesus came and said, he came with grace, more so than Moses. So he's given an extension. And he's still offering it to the world, for God so loved the world. It's not his will that any perish. Well, that damns the Calvinistic liar who says that God is determined people going to hell before they're born because that's God's wisdom. No, it's not. That's a devil's wisdom. That's the monster's wisdom. See, they pervert Scripture to their own destruction, as Peter would say. God makes provision. He's patient. He's long-suffering to all. He doesn't look down and say, I'll save this one, I'll save that. Shoot, you, we're, we're damned. Even Calvin said it was a fatalistic election. So he believed, though, poor souls, they're not elected, so they're going to hell. Well, then he was a heretic. He shouldn't have been preaching the gospel, okay, because it was false. So concerning the Jews as a whole, he meant the ones that didn't come to Christ, the church, you know, like Paul did, and the disciples and all of them. He said, they're enemies. They're enemies of the gospel, okay? Well, that means they're enemies of Christ. It's the gospel of Christ, the gospel. They're his enemies, okay? But the elect that are called and chosen, and this would be Paul talking, like me, and most of the foundation layers, they were Jewish Christians. They are still favored and blessed, and they can hold to promises and prophecies to the individual branch. And they would understand, like Peter, when the Spirit came, you don't worry with Israel as a nation now. Your nation is the church, involves all people that come to Christ. And God will take care of that in his time, and it's none of your business when. That's what basically Jesus said. It's not for you to know. You know, concern yourself with this. Now, he was telling Peter this when Peter didn't have a full concept that most of the church was going to be Gentiles. He called it one of the hard sayings. He said, I have many things to tell you. You cannot bear now. But when the Spirit comes, he'll reveal that. He was saying, me in the flesh could not tell you this because you're spiritually not capable. And it would upset you that God's going to go to the Gentiles and he's going to forsake most of Israel for their rebellion. It would upset him. And that's why Paul said, I weep and cry and have continual sorrow for my people. Yeah, he does. And he said, and God's provoking them by going to the Gentiles. So he knew the covenants. And that's what God intended to do. Okay, another one that's greatly misunderstood. He said, for they are the remnant or choice. They are beloved for the sake of the fathers, the covenants. Verse 29, for the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Oh, that's a good one. People like to prefer it. Uh -huh. We'll get into that later. The special gifts and promises and prophecies are unchangeable. 
but he's applied to Israel, and if people rightly discern it, eventually they'll come to pass. Individual doesn't count in this. It's the nation he's talking about, and his promises, what he would do to the nation. When God gave promises and told us the future, when Jacob spoke concerning his 12 sons, he wasn't talking about the individual son. He was talking about the tribes that came out of them, how they would live and what they would do as certain blessings. He wasn't talking about the sons themselves. They didn't learn. Okay. Unchangeable. A lot of false teachers say, well, that proves once saved, always saved. <laughs> well, you read the context, and that's what he's talking about, the promises to the nation. Oh, God promised you forsake him, I'll forsake you. You get into sin, I'll cut you for the branch. He's already told us that. So they go and grab that scripture. And I said, well, what about this? Well, they don't want to talk about that. I just want this script. I said, because you're a false shepherd. I've told them that. You find one scripture and you jump on it. I said, you don't read what before it and after it. It explains it. How can you be once saved, always saved, when Jesus said you'll be cut off if you don't bear fruit? And if you don't abide with me, you'll be cut off. They are willingly ignorant, and they deserve to be deceived, and they are. And God will deceive them further. He'll send the devil to deceive them. He's a master at it. So he's not talking about individual branches here. He's talking about his promises, the covenant, what he was going to do to the nations, to the nation of Israel, past, present. These are things he promised to Abraham and Isaac and Moses and David, and he's going to bring that to pass. Because he told Moses two or three times when Israel sinned, he said, stand aside and I'll kill them all. That was God's wrath. And Moses interceded, it. And God held it all. He told Moses, he said, you stand aside and I'll kill them all and I'll make a nation of you. One Jew. And he said, I can start over and form Israel again. It wasn't in God's. The people like say, well, God, it don't matter what God do. He meant what he said. I could kill them and start over with you. It won't delay my plans too much. With God's plans, there is no wisdom or counsel against the Lord. Man thinks he can figure out everything. He doesn't have that ability. God surprises people. And they don't know what he knows, okay, and what he can do. And as we've said, the ship of salvation is going to heaven. The powers of hell cannot prevent this. Okay? That's God's plan and God's purposes. Yet the passengers can forsake the ship and drown spiritually. Or they can stay with the captain Jesus and make port. But the ship's going. And the gates of hell will not prevail. And even Jesus said, the times will get so dark. He said, if I didn't shorten time, the very elect, the elect, the Christians, they'll stay with him. He said, could not be saved. So he made sure they're not tempted above what they are able. So he does things to counter that. When the enemy comes in like an army, a flood, Isaiah says, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. They can't confuse him. He can confuse them all. So that's what he's talking about. And many people, they read the end of the book. I've heard him tell me this. I laugh. Well, I see we won. I said, no, the church won. You didn't. If you're not faithful, you're going to hell. 
And if you don't stay with the Lord, you don't win. See, they want to apply all that to them. And I say, yeah. And most of them live selfish lives, and they just want to rubber stamp salvation so they can live their own life, but they're afraid of hell. Well, they're going to be, okay? And as I've said before, this fellowship of the Christian and Jew, you have organizations like that, well, they're false as far as spiritually. They're either misguided, some Christians are false Christians, because Paul already said you cannot have fellowship with darkness. And if the Jew does not accept Jesus Christ, he's your enemy concerning the gospel, and he's God's enemy. So how can you have fellowship, intimate relation? Paul said, what fellowship have light with darkness? What fellowship has God with Satan? He said, come out from among them and I will receive you. The condition was you come out. You don't fellowship intimately with the wicked of the world. That's what he warned you. And implied God will not receive you if you start doing it. He'll count you as one of them. Everyone must come through Christ Jesus now. And in the future, that's going to be God's plan. And so we need to understand, those who come to the Lord Jesus, we are the elect and the chosen. We are the holy church, as far as God's concerned. We are the body. The angels that did not fall when Satan and one-third of them did, they are called the elect angels. They elected to stay. They weren't elected before they were created. Some people have taught, well, God created angels, and he purposely planned on a third of them to fall. That makes him a worse devil than the devil is. No. This uses terminology and language sometimes we don't understand. But basically to say they stayed. They didn't fall, and they're called the elect because they're special to God. They're chosen because they stay. Okay? We need to remember that. The ones that make it, the Christian that makes it, Revelation says it's the called, the chosen, and the faithful. So you can be called and chosen, but if you're not faithful, you're not going to make it. See, a lot of people think they're called. When they called, they responded to the call. So they were chosen to be one of Christ. But if they're not faithful, they'll get uncalled and unchosen eventually. So there is no fellowship of Christians and Jews, unless the Jews have come to Jesus Christ. And the Christian is a real Christian and not a false Christian. Okay, let's go to Second John, the epistle, written probably 30, 40 years after Peter and Paul were dead and already been martyred. I was going to say chapter, but there's only one chapter, so it's not even numbered. Verse 9 and 11. Whosoever does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine or the teaching of Christ has both the Father and the Son, because Christ is God. See, and that's what's hard for the Jews. They didn't want to accept him. They thought he was a false prophet. They didn't know they were crucifying the Lord of glory. He limited himself to humanity so they could do it. Uh -huh. 
Had they known he was the Lord of glory, it said they would not have crucified him. But they were deceived because of their sins, and they couldn't see the truth. Okay? He who abides in the teaching of Christ has both the Father and the Son. So many people think they have the Father, but if they don't accept Jesus, they don't have the Father. They've been deceived. They're not in the covenant if they don't have Jesus. Uh -huh. If anyone comes to you, he's talking about traveling evangelists that claim to be Christian, and they're starting to teach various things that weren't true, and they were questioning about Christ's nature and who he was, and John, straighten this out. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching that Jesus is the Christ and he's one with the Father, do not receive him into your house and do not greet him. It means as a traveling evangelist or a witness, you're not to give him Christian hospitality because of his ministry. You're not to support a false minister. That's what he's talking about. They come witnessing this and that. You don't give them Christian hospitality because they're of the devil, okay? And it says, do not even greet him. You give him no special blessing. You don't say, God bless you or God go with you. You don't do that to false shepherds and false Christians. People need to learn that. We can be good to all men, but there's certain things we don't do when people are trying to pervert the gospel they're held more accountable, and we can deal with them stronger. 11. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. So God is saying, you help him and bless him, then you share in his wickedness, and you'll give an account for that. So you don't want to be supporting a false shepherd and sending him money and giving him hospitality, especially if he denies who Christ is. So that's what John was talking about. How can you bless the man refusing that Jesus is the Son of God? He is the Christ. He is the Word of God. So he's talking about traveling people promoting their gospel or mixing the gospel like the Judaizers did. That would apply to them. So do not give them Christian hospitality. Do not say God speed to them. You're not to say God go with you. He doesn't go with them. God's against them. He's, they're his enemies. And he's going to judge them at judgment day and cast them into the lake of fire if they keep doing this. Okay? You don't hear of many false teachers and shepherds coming back to the Lord. They border on blaspheming the Holy Spirit, especially when they've been in it for 20 and 30 years. We're not talking about People been in it five years, misguided, mistaught, been discipled wrong. When a person's been in it 15, 20 years, their heart's wicked. And they're not to be excused. And they'll be deceived further. And Jesus will say, thank you, Father. You hid this from the wise and prudent of this world and reveal it to the simple ones that trust you. For just as you, and he's talking to the Christian church again, they're Gentiles. For just as you once were disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience. So in God's plan, they provoked him so much, he said, I'll provoke them, and I'll go and offer grace and privileges that I gave them. I'll give it to the nations, and I'll give them more than I gave Israel. That's what he's talking about.
The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So you go off from all. And again, he let the individual Jew decide. But he said, I'm not dealing with the nation now. They broke my covenant, and I'm finished with it. Verse 30, so you Gentile nations were rebellious and disobedient toward God. When the Jews were favored and given gifts and privileges and promises and such. So what Paul meant, you were without hope, not hope of any kind of, because he still dealt with some individual Gentile. He meant you didn't have these special privileges and promises and gifts. And as we talked about, none of them was given no promise that God would be merciful if they repented. Israel was given promises what God would do and wouldn't do. Okay. As I said before, when Jacob and Joseph were living, most likely Job was living. And as far as God was concerned, he was more righteous than them. He was more righteous than anybody in the whole world. And he told the devil, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him in all the earth who loves, loves righteousness and hates unrighteousness. Well, if Jacob and Joseph were living, they were in a covenant. They were his people to a degree. And he was still forming his covenant. And the Jewish nation was going to come out of them. So it shows you he wasn't without hope because he was a Gentile. Verse 31. So these also now have been disobedient. Okay. That because of the mercy shown to you, they may also be shown mercy. This is why Paul preached in the Sabbath in the synagogues every two or three Sabbaths, wherever he went in the Gentile Roman Empire. You don't hear of this after the destruction of Jerusalem and God finally finishing. Then he deals, everybody comes the same way. There is no Jew or Gentile. But until then, he's still offering mercy to the Jewish people who thought they were in covenant, and some received him. And they were righteous Jews in the light that they had, they hadn't been poisoned by the Jerusalem pharisaical system. And they came to the Lord. And they were usually thrown out of the synagogue. And the good thing was they joined the Gentile Christians and they started to teach them about the law and Moses, the covenant. Gentiles didn't know that. They knew Christ as their Savior. And so they laid a foundation so you could see God's wisdom. It's believed during this time the Roman Empire was 70, 80 million people, and some believe as much as 8% were Jews throughout the Roman Empire. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Shows you God's wisdom. And even if they weren't good Jews or they weren't Christian Jews, they knew the law to a degree. Many of them knew certain principles they were raised on. So they as a whole, the Jews have been disobedient and been cut off. Yet by your Gentile Christians, and the church later would come, he's talking to Gentile. They've already been preaching the gospel for years, the Jewish Christian. But he said, now you don't be arrogant and think you're better. It's because God cut them off. He chose you. You happen to fit in. So don't think you're any better than they are. So you stay in his goodness. And so you proclaim the gospel, and you bring Christ to them. And he says, you're showing mercy. So it shows you God did not reject everybody. He was still saying if they repent, they can come back. 
Well, some of the priests did repent and turn to the Lord during the apostolic times. So verse 32, for God has shut up all in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all. Now that his plans being fulfilled in Christ, he's showing his original intent was to be merciful to everybody. But at certain levels, he only revealed certain things at that time. And they were only responsible for a certain thing. So the Jewish people in the covenant that rebelled and disobeyed God, they were punished more in the eternal scheme than the ignorant Gentiles that didn't know nothing. They were wicked just like the Jews to a degree. But God is just. See, he keeps records. And when they went, Joshua, to destroy a certain tribe, God said, you don't touch them. Their, their sin is not full. See, he's just and fair in all this dealing. He has a limit of how he was going to deal and how far they could go. And he did with Nineveh. He said, you got to warn Nineveh, they're wicked. But he also said, they're stupid. Spiritually, you don't know nothing. Why shouldn't I be gracious and warn them? He didn't have to. He chose to. And they responded. And he didn't tell them to convert to Judaism. He dealt with the nations differently than he did Israel. So he's saying, so all of them are wicked. Eventually, all have sinned and come short of God's glory. It didn't matter who they were. And so he's going to offer grace and a different plan. And it's called the fullness of time when he was ready to bring his plans to a close. Okay. Yet God has counted both Jews and Gentiles as disobedient. Jews break the law of Moses. That's what they did. Gentiles sinned against their inner law, the conscience. See, he gives the inner law. The Jew had the law of Moses and conscience. Some of the Gentiles only had conscience. They didn't know about the law. Some of them, at certain parts of the world, they didn't even know there was an Israel. So he dealt with them differently. And like some of the false teachers say, but they weren't without hope. A lot of people think, oh, they all go to hell to the gospel. It doesn't seem rather fair. It would seem like God's more gracious under the law than he is under grace. Because if they don't believe in Jesus and he automatically sends them to hell and the gospel is never preached to them, that's bad, because under Moses' time, nations were honored by God that weren't Jewish. And he listened and did certain things. So I would say it's a better covenant to stay under the law if you're going to pervert the gospel and pervert the nature of God. Okay. So what we're seeing is he now looks to whosoever will. And like Paul said, even in Christ Jesus, there is neither male nor female. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, bond or free. He's saying spiritually, God doesn't make a distinction. Now, in this world, we have certain order that we have to abide. Women have to be submissive to their husbands if they're Christians. We submit to the leaders and show certain respect. We obey the police officers. We do certain things. It don't mean they're better than us. It means they're gifting and their callings are higher. And so they've been given more responsibility. So they get, Paul said, you give a spiritual elder who's teaching the word of God. 
He said they deserve double honor because of their ministry. But if they sin, he says, you rebuke them before everybody, they'll learn not to sin. They never told you to do that to a normal Christian or a novice. He said, if he's elder, you stand in before the church and you rebuke him and you tell the people what he did and he repents. See, deal with his pride. See, that's why Paul said, take heed when you think you stand. The devil has all of his trickeries. And if he can't deflate you, he will blow you up like a balloon and make you think you're special. And nobody's that special. Okay? So they've got conscience. So now he's saying, whosoever will. God's offering these privileges to everybody. While he ends the book of Revelation, the spirit and the bride say, come, and whosoever will. Not the elect, not the chosen, not those predestined from eternity. He said, whosoever will. Now, is God lying? Is he saying, oh, I've got a little loophole here. I only mean those I've elected to save. They sound like devils, these foolish heretics. God in the Old Testament said what? Not my will that any perish. He knows what the word any means. All. That all come to the knowledge of the truth. That all repent. That was the old, and that's the new. Whosoever will. Okay. Now that's different standard. If a person hardens himself or rebels, that scripture may not apply to him anymore. But initially, it applies to him. So verse 33, Oh, the depths and the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. God's grace and mercy, his wisdom, his attributes are beyond human understanding. So he really desires all to be saved and come through Christ Jesus under the old, the conscience, and the law. Christ covered that. Ultimately, everything is covered by Christ's blood, even before Christ came. See, Abraham looked forward, and he saw the day of the Lord, and he had faith in Christ who could be the sacrifice. We look back to what he's done. So God is saying, Every human that's ever lived, God had no desire for them to go to hell, but to come to heaven. So he's already stated that. And if a majority of them choose to rebel, then they're responsible. God has extended grace and mercy to everyone at some degree. So no one's going to stand at judgment and say, I didn't know this and that. God will say, well, you chose not to know. And when you saw the light, you ran from it. You didn't want to know the truth. So you're guilty, okay? Verse 34, quoting the old Isaiah, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? Okay. Who advises and counsels God? Who knows all? Who knows more than he knows? (laughs) So his way is far above our thinking and imagination. There is no wisdom or counsel against him. God asked Job 30-some questions when he was reproving him about nature, and Job could not answer one of them. How much more the deep spiritual things people cannot understand, 
And if it's concerning the Christian, the Spirit has to reveal them and give them the ability to understand the deeper thing. But there are still things that's none of our business that we're never told about. There's so much God is dealing, in a sense, with you and I dealing with an earth form. Can you imagine Einstein trying to communicate with an earth form? Well, that's sort of how we are with God. He has to condescend, and he did. And he came in Jesus and took it on. And when they said, show us the Father, he said, how long have I been with you and y'all don't know me? He was revealing himself in human nature through Christ. And then elevating that nature to the Godhood. When he ascended, he took his body with him and his human nature. Let's go ahead now and close at 34. Verse 34, Lord, give us wisdom and understanding not to falsely interpret your word. And you said you weren't talking about false teaching, but you said those who teach certain things that aren't true, Christians, he said they will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. See, he does not like that. They may be novices and babes, but certain things he don't like. And they keep teaching them, and they're not teaching the truth, but they're not entered into full-blown heresy. They're misguided. But you said they'll make it to heaven. He said, but they'll be the least in the kingdom of heaven. So give us wisdom to know your word and your way. In Jesus' name, amen.